off this morning's message. The title of this morning's message is called Fatherless. Fatherless. Last week we talked about homeless. And today we're going to take it one step farther and we're going to talk about being fatherless and why homeless is such a key thing. But where does homeless begin? Where does it originate? There's something even pre, prior to that, that that's the kickstart to it. But the first thing we got to remember is we're jumping into this series called Home. We're going to can't stop. We're going to won't stop. We're going to continue to press on with the gospel. But in doing that, we're going to do it different than running an agenda. We're going to do it different than focus on a building project. We're going to do it completely different because our focus is not a building. Our focus is you. Because people are not projects. People are not projects. And a lot of times in the church and in the ministry, we see people walk in with depression. It's like, oh, they're a project. We've got to fix them. And we see somebody walk in in adultery. Oh, they're a project. We've got to fix them. And we see somebody walk in with, with a, a bankruptcy issue or financial issue. Oh, they're a problem. We've got to fix them. And let's put them in a group that can fix these people, and we got to remember that people are not problems to be, be fixed. People are people to be loved, and if we'll begin to love people, God can begin to fix their problems. The issue is, is if we don't love them, it almost makes it impossible for God to fix them. And I remember this as I read the scriptures. I remember when Jesus walks up to the, the Peter at the time, and he wasn't even called the Apostle Peter at the time. He walks up to Peter, and he said, Peter, follow me. And Peter was a fisherman, and he was out in the Sea of Galilee fishing day in and day out. And I've watched Deadliest Catch enough times to know the language of fishermen is not always church appropriate. Can I get an amen? Yeah. And so when Jesus called Peter, he didn't say, Peter, come here, I'm going to fix you, and then you can follow me. He said, Peter, follow me, and when you follow me, you'll begin to believe like me, and then you'll start behaving like me. See, so many times in the church we say, behave like us so you can believe like us, then you'll belong to us. Jesus did it just the opposite. He said, come and belong to me, Peter. Follow after me. Then you'll begin to believe like me, and then you'll start behaving like me. Because eventually Peter would lay his hands on sick people and they would recover. Eventually, Peter would walk and do amazing things for the, for the body of Christ. Eventually, Peter would become one of the greatest apostles to ever live. But it wasn't done because Christ fixed him, and then he loved him. It was because Christ loved him, and in the midst of his love, Peter began to change, and he began to become different, and he began to walk on water with Jesus, and he began to lay his hand on sick people like Jesus did, and he began to behave like Jesus behaved. So here at TWBC, we want you to make this place home, and I don't care what your issue is. It doesn't matter to me what problem you're going through, and it doesn't matter to me how many divorces you've had. It doesn't matter addic what addiction you're stuck in. Just know this, we're going to love you in spite of it. We're going to love you so much that you feel the love of God. And when we love you like that, His power can come and transform you. So we want you to come and be with us at TWB, TWBC. Come and belong to us because we're going to love you long enough and hard enough and strong enough that you're going to begin to believe in this thing called love and believe in this thing called home. And when you begin to believe like us, then you'll begin to behave like us. <laughs> some of y'all, that scares you a little bit. <laughs> so yeah, I saw some of your eyes like, oh, that's, that's kind of a stretch right there. No, then you'll be able to behave, not like us as TWBC, but you'll begin to love those people who walk in, not as problems to be fixed, but as people to be loved. And so that is our heart throughout this series called Home, and that's what is going to change everything that we know. What is this environment? It is a home. Home is where the presence of the Father is. 
And I pray you felt his presence this morning. But homelessness is the absence of the presence of the Father. So home is where the presence of the Father is. Homelessness is the absence of the presence of the Father. And so as we begin this morning, I want to talk to you about the original. The original. What is the original? The original is this. It's the original spirit that God gave his creation in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. It's the original spirit God gave them. And the original spirit that God gave his creation in the Garden of Eden was not a spirit of homelessness. It was actually the spirit of sonship. That's the very first thing God gave his creation is he called Adam his son and Abe was his daughter. And so the very first thing he gave them was sonship. It was not apostleship. It was not uh, evangelism. It was not pastoral. It was not, it, was, it was not forgiveness. It was not miracle signs and wonder. It was, you are my son. You are my son. And I'll say this time and time again throughout this message. There are people who have had an amazing encounter with Christ. And you are truly born again, and you know Christ is your Lord and Savior. Some of you even been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I praise God for it. But you can be born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit, walk in miracles and signs and wonders, but never have experienced the blessing of sonship in your life. And listen, I will tell you, and I'm fixing to tell the whole world because it's going to go out on the internet, for the first time in my life this week, the first time in my life this week, it felt more natural to call God Father than God. It felt more natural to call him Father than God. See, we always deal with issues of addictions and isms and problems and things like that. But the biggest issue Joel has wasn't an addiction. It's not a problem. It's not an ism. It's not a depression. It's not an oppression. It was called religion. And in religion, you work, and you work, and you work, and you continue to work to get approval of him, God. But when you're a son, you already have his approval. You're already in the house. And so today I'm talking to those people like me who isms and addictions may not be your problem, but you're working to achieve something, but as a son, you're naturally received something. And I'm going to say that over and over as well, because some of us have got to get this point across, that I can't work hard enough to find a place in the home of God. I must receive it as a son and watch how God changes everything in our life. And so the original spirit that God gave his children was the spirit of sonship, not a vagabond or a homeless spirit. And I want to read to you the definition of a vagabond. It's a person, usually without a permanent home, who wanders from place to place as a nomad. He's an idle wanderer without permanent home or visible means of support. Some terms are even tramp or vagrant. They're carefree, worthless, or irresponsible people known as rogue. And the greatest problem a lot of us face is not the issue of addictions, isms, and religion. That may be an offset of it. But the biggest problem a lot of us face is we're looking for a place called home. And if home is where the presence of the Father is, we're looking in things of religion to try and work ourselves to a place to say, maybe God will be pleased with me so I can call this place home. But we never find that fulfillment. So we go from church to church 
to church, to church, to church as a wanderer, as somebody who's a nomad, who's somebody who never settles, who's somebody who never has a place to call home. At TWBC, you have a role, you have a place, you have a, a something God's gifted you to do, but your value is not in what you can do. Your value is in you as a person. I love you for you, whether you can clean a floor, whether you can preach the best message in the world, whether you can pray, whether you can speak in tongues, whether you got the gift of interpretation of tongues, whether you can do miracle signs and wonder. It doesn't matter to me what you can do. It matters to me who you are because it doesn't matter how much you do. If you don't have a place called home, what you do is going to leave you empty and dry and used up and a wandering nomad. And you'll go from place to place to place trying to find acceptance that only the Father can give when you receive sonship. That only the Father can give when you receive sonship. And a lot of us, we've had a true encounter with Christ. But because we receive salvation, but not sonship, we've never found a home. We've received salvation without sonship, and we've never found a home. Therefore, we got saved, we got born again. Now it's by what we do, we try to gain the approval of God when God said, I already love you just as you are. I already love you for who you are. I already love you and I already know the mistakes you're going to make. And I still love you anyway. Church, this morning we've got to come to an understanding that as we press into this thing called home, home is where the presence of the Father truly is. But if we don't receive the spirit of sonship, we're going to receive the spirit of homelessness. And I want to read to you this. Within one generation of Adam and Eve becoming homeless, the first murder occurred. Within one generation of Adam and Eve becoming homeless, the first murder occurred. They went from life-giving to life-taking. They went from life-spreading to life-destroying. And we wonder why as we look around the world today, as we look across America today, as we look across society today, most of us say, I do believe in Jesus Christ. I do believe in this thing. I go to church. I declare that I am a Christian. 70% of America, maybe it's 65% now, 65% of America says we're Christian, and, but we still look like the world. The problem is not what we look like. The issue is we haven't received the spirit of sonship, so by, by default we've received the spirit of homelessness. And within one generation of homelessness, Adam and Eve committed the first murder. Within months of you being homeless, not having a church home, your Christian walk begins to dry up. It begins to shrivel up. We at TWBC said one of the goals that we have this year is to make this your home, not your church, your home. And here's what we challenge you to do. Average church attendance across America is two Sunday mornings a month. Two Sunday mornings a month is average church attendance across America. We ask you to do this. We said plus two. We want you to add two services a month to your regular routine of your life and make this place home. Why? Because the facts are this. If you miss three Sundays, you miss three months. You miss three Sundays in a row, you're out for three months. That's the average statistic in America. And you figure the average church attendance is, I come a Sunday, I miss a Sunday. I come a Sunday, I miss a Sunday. Well, you missed a Sunday. Now the kids got sick, so you missed another Sunday. But then it's the Sunday that you normally miss. You've missed three weeks, and so in turn, you're really going to be out for three months. And you understand how quick an average church-attending believer becomes homeless. And when homeless happens within the first generation, Adam and Eve committed murder. 
When homeless happens, it's not about what your Christian walk is like, but what are your children going to become? See, it wasn't about Adam and Eve at the moment, but within one generation, one son killed the other. And so in this, we've got to understand the depth of what homelessness really is and what homelessness really means. And if there is this issue called homelessness, why does it occur? And it truly occurs because we have not received the spirit of sonship upon us and said, God, I truly believe this more than anything, that I'm your son first and foremost, and it's not what I do that pleases you. I'm ple- you're pleased because I am your son, and so what I do, I do it to please you, not to gain acceptance from you. What we do, we do to please him, not gain acceptance from him. And a lot of us have lived the other way around. We've done things to gain acceptance from him. And so homelessness is the absence of the Father's presence. The cause of homelessness, homelessness, though, is fatherlessness. When homelessness is in effect, two things occur, religion or rebellion. And many of us in religion, we find ourselves competing one against another to become greater in the church. Everybody look at me for a second. Fixing to ask you to do something that's a little crazier than last week. Some of y'all are like, oh, Lord. I need you to find somebody who is not your spouse, who you're not related to. And in just a minute, we're going to have thumb wars. Some of y'all are like, what? Hey, I I got something with this. I'm going somewhere. It's not really spiritual, but it's going somewhere, okay? So here's what I need you to do. I, I, you're going to find a partner in just a minute who you're not related to, okay? And, and I'm going to count it down. I'm going to do the one, two, three, four, I declare a thumb war. And on that, y'all are going to go to war, okay? And thumb war, people. Some of y'all are giving me like, it's okay. I'm going somewhere, I promise. So here's what I need you to do. On the count of three, find a partner within 10 seconds, and then I'm going to count it down in 10 seconds. Ready? Go. One. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right, does everybody got a partner? Everybody got a partner. Here we go. All right, everybody, we're going to count it down together. When I start it, y'all finish it with me. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three, four. I declare a thumb war. Go. Go. Come on. All right. All right. But now you should all have who won and who lost. Woo. Why in the world would I have you do that? What on earth would it possibly possess a pastor to say, everybody, we're having thumb wars in the church. Number one, you've now come in contact with somebody you didn't know and you wouldn't have otherwise, amen? When you're in the house, you know who's in your house. Some of y'all have actually touched somebody. Oh, Lord Jesus. (laughs) You're just like, oh, I can't believe it. You held somebody's hand for longer than five seconds. You literally felt whether whatever you felt affection of some sort. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. We're getting somewhere. We're breaking down something. But I need all my winners to stand up. If you won, stand up. 
Woo! We got some winners. And y'all should have saw this front row. We had finger pointing. He cheated. They messed up. I mean, wow. All right, y'all give the winners a hand clap. See, in homelessness, two things occur, rebellion or religion. And religion has done this in the body of Christ. It says, everybody team up or partner up, and we're going to see which one of you is better than the other. And religion has said, we're going to find who the very best are, and we're going to let them go to the top. And everybody else, you have to find your place. When it didn't matter if you were the one who won or lost in the home, you're still valuable and important. See, religion has taught the body of Christ to compete against each other, to win at all costs. And if I lose, to say, he cheated and this and that. And <laughs> I love you, Megan, but that's so, that was funny, girl. That was perfect. And it's caused us even to do this in the body of Christ. Homelessness in the body of Christ has caused this just like it did after the fall of the Garden of Eden. And you had one son who brought an offering to God and another son brought an offering to God. One was looked down with displeasure and this competition ensued. And one was so mad at the other because religion, he killed him because of it. And in the church today, it's no different. Because here the losers stood over here thinking, I'm a failure even at thumb wars in church. <laughs> Come on. And if I can't even win at thumb wars, how can I do something worthy for the gospel? I'm a failure at everything. And we already got a spirit of rejection coming in because of the competition of religion. And in the competition of religion, we have the exaltation of the ones who are victorious at thumb wars. <laughs> really? Y'all can come over, y'all can go home and put your trophy on your mantle because that's going to get you a long way in the kingdom, I'm telling you. When you cross that gates by St. Peter, God's going to say, that's my thumb war champion right there. <laughs> do, do you understand how, how this thing called religion and the spirit of homelessness has so infiltrated the church that people have lost value and worth? And they literally walk into church thinking, I'm just a pawn in a game. And if I can hold my face together long enough and not let people know I'm hurting, they'll think I'm one of the strong ones and I'm a survivor and I'm one who can get through and I'm not one of these weak ones. And if they think I'm strong, then maybe they'll depend on me. And if they depend on me, then I'll feel accepted. And if I feel accepted, then I'll have worth. Do you understand how religion is such a homeless, loveless thing in the body of Christ when the Father says, I don't care if you won at Thumb Wars or lost at Thumb Wars. I care that you came here. I care that you're here, and I care that you have love. And in this thing called home, religion will destroy it just as quick as rebellion. And the problem is, in the church, rebellion happens to try to hide it where religious, uh, through our religious acts. So we are still walking somehow, some way, in the spirit called homelessness, and the spirit of homelessness comes from fatherlessness, where there is no father. And fatherlessness always leads to homelessness. And here's the greatest thing that we must realize. And this is what you got to look at when you begin to look at other religions. And I'll get into this here in just a minute. Christianity or, or other religions have a founder. Christianity has a father. Do, do you understand the depth of that? Other religions have a founder. Christianity has a father. 
Those of you who grew up in fatherless homes or absentee fathers because he was a workaholic and was never home understand what I'm talking about. All, you didn't really care about the founder. You didn't care that the, the bills were paid. You just wanted the father. And other religions have a founder with a religious structure. But we wonder why, why don't you love like Christians are supposed to, lo supposed to love? They can't. They don't have a father. They weren't shown love. Let me read to you this. There's a picture they're going to put up on the screen here in just a second. And this picture that they got on the screen is the Dome of the Rock in Jerusalem. So one of the largest Muslim mosques in the world. Thousands gather here daily to, to worship and to pray. The five times a day, the things that they pray. Inscribed on the, the walls of this building, of this Muslim mosque that I'm standing in front of, it says this. God is only one God. And I agree with that. But this is where it gets bad. Far be it removed from his transcendent majesty that he should have a son. Far be it from God's majesty should, that he should have a son. Literally, when, when people of Islam greet each other in today's society, this is what they say. They say, there is one God. Muhammad is, is his prophet, and he has no son. I want you to begin to look at rebellion differently. And I want you to begin to look at other religions differently. Not good, not bad. Look at people in rebellion or in other religions as homeless and fatherless. And it should break our hearts as a Christian nation that we would look at another religion and condemn them and pass judgment on them when they don't have the love of the Father that we have. They have a founder, but they don't have a father. But we who have a father should show them the love of the Father so that they'll be able to experience what a home is so that they'll come in and the love of the Father can transform even the hardest of hearts. That's why I don't give up praying for your long-lost cousin who's on the verge of suicide and he's in a drunken stupor and I don't give up praying for the member of ISIS. Because it's one and the same, homelessness and fatherlessness that has affected the world. And our attitude must change. Jesus looked at it. He looked over us and his heart was grieved because they were sheep without a shepherd or sons without a father. Other religions have a founder. We have a father. We should be grateful because we understand what love is, even if we haven't experienced the fullness of it. Our hearts should break when we see people walk in that need to be fixed. No, they need a home. And they need to be loved. And they need to be cared for and let the love of the Father do His great work in their life. We must begin to look at people in a way that the Father loves and wants back. When we learn to look at other religions and rebellion as people who are homeless and fatherless, it will inspire us to love them in ways that we can't even imagine. Even as Jesus went to the cross for us to bring us back. So where does this all begin? I'm backtracking. Last week we talked about homelessness. Homelessness is brought about by fatherlessness, and we've talked about that today. But where did this whole thing begin of homeless 
and fatherless. There's got to be an origin to it somewhere. There's got to be a start to all this. And I want us to read out of Isaiah because this is where the true homelessness began. This is where the true start of it all took place. It's in Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 4, and it says this, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who are weak, you who have weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, this is Lucifer talking, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation and on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the most high God. When you read that and you look at homeless people and you see them in their condition, you see them homeless and fatherless, at the very root of it, you see these same things. Lucifer said, first thing he started talking about, he started talking about self-will. I will ascend into heaven. Religious people and rebellious people all do the same thing. I will make a great name for myself if you're rebellious. And religion is like, I'm going to prove that I'm worth something by what I do and how much I serve and how much I give and how much I pray. And I'm going to let everybody see how much I am worth. Your self-will in I just proves you haven't received sonship. And listen, all that the Father has is yours. So the self-will of I must become, I must do, I must build, I must create, the self-will is the greatest struggle. He had self-will and said, I will ascend. Many of us are trying to ascend into something that's causing us just to be farther homeless than we've ever been. The next thing he talks about is self-exaltation. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. It's about what you can become, building a name for yourself. I will do this. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will become something great. When you come in TWBC, you have nothing to prove. I'm going to say that one more time. When you come into TWBC, you have nothing to prove. The fact that you're here is proof enough that you need a home and you need the love of the Father. And listen, TWBC has nothing to prove to you except how much we love you and how much we want you here and want you a part of the work of God here in TWBC. We must begin to realize the trueness of what religion comes from and what rebellion comes from. It comes from the very statements that Lucifer made in the very beginning, what got him homeless in the first place. He goes on to say about self-enthronement, I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. In a real practical matter of speaking, some of you come in here Sunday after Sunday and you have your seat. Come on. And if you walk in and somebody is in your seat, <laughs> you start looking around and you, you're thinking about leaving because somebody's in my seat. And how dare they sit in my seat? That's my throne. That's my place. And listen, I have my seat right here on the front row. And you can come sit here any week you want. That's not my chair. See, what you got to realize is when you walk in, we got over 500 seats in this sanctuary when you include the balcony. And look at it. You don't have one chair. All that you have is here. You have all the chairs. Every one of them is your chair. 
But see, when we get into this religious thing, when we get into this self-enthronement thing, we begin to walk in every Sunday and we sit in the same spot not realizing I don't have one spot. I got 500 places I can sit. Because all that we have is yours. Every place in this church house is yours. And if I can get real selfish and out of uh, 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 the spirit of God for just a minute, can I do that? Can I say it? I mean, like you're going to stop me, I mean, I guess. <laughs> you know what really hurts my feelings more than anything? Because we got 500 chairs. When every Sunday, not every Sunday morning, some Sunday mornings, I look down and I see my wife and Jeff and Amy and maybe one or two other people sit on the front row. And you know what goes through my head? Just don't worry about what goes through. It goes through my head. How it gets there, it's, it's a long road, I'm telling you. It's like, nobody likes us. Nobody wants to sit by us. Every Sunday, we got seven empty chairs on the front row. And people are crowding in the back and running to the top of the building to sit. Heaven forbid we should sit by a preacher. You know? I mean, I don't even get too crazy in worship. I mean, me and my wife bump once in a while. <laughs> but we don't go crazy and stuff. And I look around and it's like, Jeff, nobody likes us. And, and, and listen, that's how religion works. That is so how religion works. Because now I'm thinking, really, nobody likes us. They don't really care about us. They don't really love us. Is this even home? And so next week, I want 50 of y'all on the I'm just playing. <laughs> but I say that as a, as a true practical illustration because some of you think the same way. If you don't get your seat and somebody's in your seat and you've got to sit by somebody else, you don't know if they like you or not. And if you don't see them the next week, your mind just goes in all these billion different directions. And that's why it's so important to make this not a church but a home where it doesn't matter if you're in this seat or that seat or the balcony seat or that seat over there or that seat over there. The same love is spread abroad across the whole sanctuary where it doesn't matter who sits by me and who doesn't sit by me. I feel the love of the Father Amen. in this place. So some of you have self-enthroned your place to one seat when, baby, you got the whole castle. You got any seat in the house you want. I always tell people this. I don't have a specific parking place out there reserved for pastor. You can have any parking place you want. You just got to get here before I get here if you want the one I got. <laughs> Amen. Come on. Get here and get in the presence of God and see this self-enthronement thing or this self-entitlement thing. We begin to look at it in such a way where it causes this religious stigma of that's mine. When it's never been ours, it's always all been his. And he said, all that I have is yours. So what he gives us is not for us to keep, but for us to share, to love and to expand and watch what God can do. And finally, the last one, self-deification. Self-deification. He said, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the Most High God. And so finally, Lucifer said this in self-deification, which means to make something, make, some, make God of something. He said, I'm going to make a God of myself. And literally, when you come in and you have your place, your throne, your spot, your, yours, 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 mine, 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 Wow, we sound like uh, my two kids three years ago, and they're only six and five right now. And we look at the body of Christ, and you don't have to teach children to say mine. Somehow that just pops into there. It's just there for some reason. 
And you have come to this place of, this is mine. But when I'm at home, and I go into the living room to sit down, if my wife is in the recliner, I sit on the couch. And if she's on the couch, I sit in the recliner. Why? Because both of them are hers. I was playing. (laughs) No, because both of them are ours. We have it. We share it. It's alike. If she wants one, then I get the other. If I want one, she gets the other. And it's not a selfish thing. It's not an enthronement thing. It's not this is my castle and you must do. It's this is our home and we share and we love. And hey, once in a while we even get to sit by each other because the kids are going to bed. Come on. It's home. And so it's not about self-enthronement, about mine and yours and and self-deification where we declare that this is God and that's God. It's about home. And Adam and Eve didn't realize what happened when they sinned. When they sinned, they did a lot more than sin. When they sinned, they forsook sonship. They gave away sonship and took on homelessness. Because if you see what their first actions were, there were the self-will, self-exaltation, self-enthronement, and self-deification, where they said the first thing that happened when they sinned, they went and they made fig leaves and they began to provide for themselves. And after they provided for themselves, they hid themselves from God because they were afraid of God. And so all these things began to take place. So the the greatest tragedy of the Garden of Eden wasn't sin. It was they forsook sonship and embraced homelessness. And when they embraced homeless, they didn't realize they were embracing fatherless. And when we embrace fatherless, within one generation, the first murder occurred. Do you understand how important it is to realize the love of the Father, and that this is home, and that the Father's love is for you. I'm going to close with this statement. People, if you are working to achieve something, you're a servant. If you're working to gain credibility and notification by what you achieve, you're a servant. Listen to this. When fatherlessness and homelessness is our identity, we must become achievers either through rebellion or religion. But when sonship is our identity... We become receivers, and we learn that all that the Father has is ours. I learned this over and over in my life in ways that I'm not proud of. Through studying, through hearing from God, that I realize more and more that I've lived a life of homelessness and fatherlessness throughout my years of ministry because I've always been working so hard to achieve something, to make something great that would please the Father And the father's been saying all along, Joel, when your identity becomes sonship, you'll just receive it. You don't have to achieve it. My prayer is for you this morning in your life. What have you been trying to achieve rather than just receive? This morning, I want you to receive the love of the father. My heart is truly this, and I believe there are people here this morning that need to be born again, who need to have that first-time encounter with Christ, who you really become born again, and transformation takes place, and the old is gone, and the new has come. But when you receive salvation, don't just get born again and get saved. Get sonship with it. I'll save you 20 years of heartache. Don't just receive salvation. Receive sonship, where he says, all that the Father has is yours. But there are a bunch of you in this room this morning. You've been born again for a long time. You've been saved for a long time. And you've been that wandering vagabond that I read about in the very first part of this message. And you've been saved for a long time. But the problem is, as long as you've been saved, you've been homeless. 
because you've been like me, you've been working to achieve something rather than receive something. Today, God's saying, come home. 